Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. My name is Casey. And I'm Matt. Welcome to Agrabah. <laughs> it's a whole new world. What can I say? <laughs> we are reviewing a Renaissance era movie for, honestly, I think the first time, other than Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which was kind of in that same time period, this is the first animated renaissance era movie that we are taking some time to review and that is of course the movie aladdin and matt i am so excited about this episode i don't even have notes only because i know this movie so well it is my childhood wrapped up in you know an hour and a half worth of goodness is all i gotta say (laughs) yeah i mean Aladdin is, for both of us, one of our favorite movies. And I think the the best realization we had of this was when we did our top 10 Disney characters, out of all the Disney characters in in the universe that we could have chosen, both of us put the genie at number one. Yep, I was, I was literally going to say that. I, I, I talked about the top 10 Disney characters on that episode. We talked about number one. We talked about the genie. He is quintessential Disney. Walt would have loved him as a character. He represents all that is magical and mystical about the Walt Disney Company. In this movie... It, it struck gold. I mean, it, it, you know, it was on the heels of Beauty and the Beast, which was on the heels of The Little Mermaid. This trifecta, and then, of course, you move into The Lion King. Those four, in my opinion, form the foundation of what modern-day Walt Disney Company is all about. I mean, oh, those absolutely. Four, they I mean, are the four pillars, in my opinion. $500 million is what this grossed, and this is a 1992 movie. Like, you know, now that that number seems like peanuts because movies are making a billion dollars. But for 1992, that was insane. This reunites a lot of the key players from some of the other Renaissance eras, including Alan Menken with the music, which, you know, he did Beauty and the Beast and, and, you know, famed, famed uh, uh, producer of music. Again, before Elton John kind of takes over and does Lion King and you got Phil Collins doing Tarzan, just everything about this movie, you know, and again, I'm looking at it through the lens of the fact that, you know, when this movie came out, this was 93, 92, 92. I was nine years old. I was Disney's target demographic. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had the toys. I still have somewhere in my storage, either here or back at my parents' place, the genie in his Prince Ali's outfit. And, uh, you know, and I'm looking up at my my Disney room right now. I've got a boo as an elephant plush. I've got the genie plush. I've got the Jafar plush. I've got the Iago plush. I've got the figurine set from the Disney store. I don't own that much for any other franchise other than Aladdin because of how much this movie means to me. So uh, this is going to be a fun show. (laughs) Yeah. So a couple of like interesting quick facts. Um, It's a princess movie that the princess is not the title. You know, Jasmine is an official Disney princess. And that, that to me is fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I guess Beauty and the Beast, she could technically say that too, but I guess she is the beauty. So I guess theoretically it's still kind of like that, but you're right. Yep. And then are you aware of Black Friday with this movie? Uh, no, I can't say that I am. So Black Friday was, this was in pre-production, like this was early stages of the film. The crew called one day of initial shooting Black Friday because they scrapped it. They scrapped the entire thing 
and they rewrote it in eight days. Really? No, I did yeah. not know that. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that either until I was doing a little bit of research for this. And so, yeah, an early version of this was totally scrapped and they rewrote it in eight days. That First of all, to rewrite or to write anything in eight days is astounding, let alone something that was this successful. I know that, and again, this probably has nothing to do with Black Friday, but I know that in the character design of Aladdin himself, they had a lot of challenges in what he was going to eventually look like. And I know that based on documentaries that I've watched uh, from the disc sets, things like that, that they needed somebody who looked like he was poor, but still was appealing to the audience. Like they had to give him the, the reason why he's got kind of that baby face look is because he couldn't, he had to be poor, but not too poor. You know, you know who they modeled him after? I used to know it, but it's escaping me at the moment. So no, please tell us. Tom Cruise. Yeah, I can see that with a smile. You're right. I yeah. Yeah. And of course, I, at this point, everybody who, you know, as anybody knows that the the voice actor who voices Aladdin is the same actor who played Steve in Full House. So, uh, <laughs> uh, which I just, I, I find fascinating. So every time I, I, I see Steve in Full House or Fuller House, I just hear Aladdin's voice now, you know, there is kind of a lost, a, a little bit of a lost practice here. You know, nowadays we are used to the actor or actress who is playing the part, not only only voices the part but also sings the part but back then that was not the case the actor who who spoke the part scott weinger who was the voice of steve the voice of aladdin was not the one who actually sang the part so it is kind of fun when you go back and watch the movie and you can kind of start to pick up on those subtle differences because they do not sound the same at all <laughs> yeah they sound really similar and to a nine-year-old you know it's it's yeah. just us so let's let's start diving into the movie here a little bit. I, I have to say that the opening of this movie is so clever, where they set it up with the merchant guy, but then the first real like scene of the story that you see is not Aladdin or Jasmine or anything like that. It's Jafar. It's the villain. This is no ordinary lamp. It once changed the course of a young man's life. A young man who liked this lamp was more than what he seemed. A diamond in the rough. Perhaps you would like to hear the tale? It begins on a dark night. Yep. Yeah, which is, I don't want to say unusual. I mean, it's unusual, but it almost harkens back to old school Disney, right? You know, like, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Snow White kind of open up with, with the Evil Queen? Yeah, the first thing you see is the Evil Queen. And it just, it sets up this really fun and mystical story and because you know it, it and that scene ends with find the diamond in the rough yeah. and then it cuts to aladdin so a couple of things on that real quick the merchant for years you know obviously you know the merchant was voiced by robin williams we know that for years it was never officially confirmed that the merchant was in fact the genie there was a lot of speculation again this was before the age of the internet. So people talked amongst themselves, but Disney did uh, a few years back officially confirm that yes, the merchant at the beginning of the movie was in fact the genie, which before that was never confirmed when the movie actually was originally released. I don't know if you knew that or not. Now, do you think that that was actually true at the shooting of the movie? Or do you think that's something that they went, yeah, you know, that makes sense and fans are liking it. Cause to me, that seems a little bit like, I don't, I don't know. I think that they didn't have to have Robin Williams voice the character. 
I mean, I mean, I don't think I, I don't think they had to, but I mean, you had Robin Williams on set, you might as well have him riff some stuff. <laughs> yeah, I and again, I I agree with you there, but I think that. I, I, you know, again, anything you and I say on that would just be pure speculation. I think it's the same as confirming that Anna and Elsa's parents were on their way to, or Anna and Elsa's parents, when they, when they shipwrecked, uh, they were on their way to Rapunzel's wedding when obviously Frozen 2 disproves that, that was not the case, or that the shipwreck was where Ariel was, Ariel, you know, was exploring their shipwreck that was never officially confirmed, but they played around with it. Right. I think that you can retcon a lot of stuff, but for them to go back and say it, maybe it just, you're right. The fans wanted it and they said, sure, why not? It doesn't hurt the, the film in any way. Right. Well, and that's um, the thing is this is, this is one that doesn't really hurt the film. And honestly makes sense. Like it, it it's not an out, out of the blue story element. Like it would make sense that the genie would want to tell you this story. Yeah. The second part about that opening too, that I find, and again, I know we're going to have a little bit of comparison to the live action movie, not a lot, but you know, it's important because it is, you know, the newer version, the, the voice actor who voices the cave of wonder in the animated movie, Frank Welker, he is the same voice actor who voices the cave of wonders in the live action movie. He came back and did it for that movie. Well, that's one of those, it, to me, it likens to where James Earl Jones came back and did Mufasa for the live action one. Who else was going to do that? Like, who, who else does that voice? Agreed. Agreed. So, yeah. So then, of course, from there, you jump into what is arguably one of the best musical sequences in, you know, animation, which is the one jump that had, you know, one jump. I, I mean, just the animation in that, the music in that, the energy in that, uh, it's just astounding. It's well, and from a musical amazing. standpoint, he starts singing before the downbeat. I don't even know what that means, but okay. <laughs> okay. So in music, um, the downbeat is like the first, um, the first, oh gosh, this is going to uh, flex my music degree here. Wow. $127,000. Here we, that I paid to get a music degree. Here we come. <laughs> is it just a simple way of saying he starts singing before the music starts? He, he starts singing before really like he, he should, so okay. to speak. And so he starts with the, you got to keep gotta one keep, jump. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of that first part into him starting to sing. Gotcha. I'm in trouble. And this time. Perfect timing, Abu, as usual. Come on, let's get out of here. Gotta keep one jump ahead of the bread line. One swing ahead of the sword. I steal only what I can afford. That's everything. That's one of those subtle things where he's, I mean, again, the song is literally called One Jump Ahead. And in his singing, he's one jump ahead of the downbeat. Yeah. That's good. I like that. That's that's good. <laughs> well, you know what I love about that that particular song too is that it's so flexible in that it's used as this really high energy intro into who Aladdin is. It's expository, but then it's also used in this moment where 
he's kind of, you know, he's, don't they realize that, you know, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm a street raff riff raff, you know, he kind of goes into that, that monologue. That's also musical as well, using the yeah. same chords. I mean, it's, it's so well done. And I think it's so brilliant on the part of the director and on part of the filmmakers to use it, to give us the exposition into who this guy is. Riff raff, street rat. I don't buy that. And it makes sense that this film did so well, because this is this is another Ron Clements and John Musker, who are Great Mouse Detective, Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Hercules, Princess and the Frog, Moana. Like these guys have knocked it out of the park. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. And then, and then, of course, you get Jasmine kind of introduced into here at this point and you start to see her. And, you know, what I like about jasmine right so you had ariel and ariel you know she was the first disney princess you saw in what 30 years 40 years you know she kind of you know she's really ariel is one of my least favorite princesses because she does kind of play the stereotypical damsel in distress then you kind of see bell kind of enter the era of female protagonist female hero she kind of speaks up for herself a little bit more but then you get jasmine and jasmine's a pretty kickbuck princess i mean she's she's a she's, fire yeah i mean she's like look i don't want this this is not the life i want you know i don't care about custom and i think that she was the princess of the 90s that really ushered in this new era of princesses if you will yeah absolutely i can see that We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our partners. Hey, Beers and Airs listeners, Casey and Matt here. You've heard us talk about our partner, Riss and Cal. You know, we've touched on their wireless earbuds, which connect right to your smartphone. But they've also got a lot of other great stuff as well. I use their 4-in-1 charging station every day. It can charge my phone, a smartwatch that charges with a magnet, and even my earbuds. You can also check out their Bluetooth selfie stick, a 3-in-1 charger, and even a silicone accessory kit that comes in either black or white. Yeah, you know, this company checks the two boxes that I love in a product, which is great quality product without having to pay an arm and a leg. I've been playing around with the accessory kit. So this comes with uh, rubber things for the earbuds so they don't fall out of my ears and things to hold the earbuds so they stay in. I always have a terrible time with that and these uh, work like a charm. So go to fourfrills.com shop and use coupon code BEERS, B-E-E-R-S. You'll get 15% off your order, plus a free $10 gift of your choice when you spend $50 or more. And if you have trouble picking just one thing, they've even got a 31-piece bundle that includes everything. Don't forget that a portion of their profits will go to help local charities in need. All right, back to the show. So do you have any particular favorite segments of the movie? Like, what is your you know, we could spend the whole time literally going scene by scene. I don't really want to do that. Do you have any particular favorite moments of the movie that are your absolute favorites? I think the whole Prince Ali song and that whole sequence is, is so much fun. It's just, it's with Robin Williams singing it with all these different voices and he's popping up and all, and and like, he's being the hype man. Uh And then all this stuff is, is happening. And where you see Jasmine's response to it, you see Jafar's response to it. where like Iago's dancing and it like pushes him into the door. Yes. Yep. (laughs) The whole sequence is just really well done. That song is one of those songs that comes on. You're like, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm into this movie. 
when the live action movie came out, I downloaded the soundtrack before I even saw the movie. And the first song I went to listen to was Prince Ali. Because in my opinion, the two songs, if you can get them right, Prince Ali and Friend Like Me, if you can get them right, I knew the movie was going to be okay. And again, controversial hot take here. In my personal opinion, the Prince Ali from the live action movie is even better than the animated version. Prince Ali, fabulous he, Ali Ababwa. Show some respect, boy, can you flat down on one knee? And I don't know if I'd go that far, but it's it's very. I, I, oh, I do. I think it's. I think Will Smith just adds a level to it. Don't get me wrong. I love the animated version. I, I Robin Williams. You know when don't they look lovely, June? Like it just there's just so many. In fact, that was the one thing that was missing from the live action was the commentary on the parade. But yes, I, I agree with you. The Prince Ali song, Prince Ali sequence, is my absolute favorite. And of course, a close second, and 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 I really say close second is of course friend like me. I mean, friend like oh, me yeah. is that is that is where Robin Williams is flexing his muscles. And I know Robin did a lot of improv with this movie. I know Robin did a lot of ad lib with this movie. My question is, I wonder if that song was ad libbed or if that was actually scripted. I'll bet the I don't know this for sure. This is speculation, but I'll bet the song was scripted. But what voices he decided to do were not Okay. And because uh, I, I have here, he improvised 16 hours of stuff. Jeez. Wow. Like that's so much stuff. So like they had all this stuff to work with, but I, I'll bet that this song was written and then he was able to make it his own, but the song was, I, I, I don't think he wrote the song. Yeah, that's fair. If he did, he would have gotten, you know, songwriter credit for it. So are yeah. there any points of the movie that don't work for you? I guess here's my question for you. Take the genie out. And I understand that this is an unfair question, but but humor me for a second. If you take the genie out, how good is this movie? Well, if you take the genie out, you don't have a story. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I understand that's the, the genie, the genie himself. Or are you talking the way the genie was portrayed by Robin Williams? Yes, I, I guess that's more of what I'm going to because yeah, again, you can't like remove the genie from it. But there are times where I've watched this movie because I've watched this movie a lot, um, where <laughs> there are times where I go, uh, you know, the genie's really carrying this right now for me, and some of the like conversations with Aladdin and Jasmine where he's he's a bee and he's in Aladdin's ear. To me, the genie's carrying that scene a little bit. Stop her! Stop her! Want me to sting her? Buzz off. Okay, fine. But remember, be yourself. I think, again, if we, we look at comparisons between the animated movie and the live-action movie, I think the animated movie was set up that way. I think the animated movie was set up to be a display of the amazing talent of Robin Williams with the side of these other characters. I mean, I, I, I hate to put it that way, but I agree with you. I think when you look at the live action movie, Will Smith does an outstanding job as the genie. He knew he was never going to step in as Robin Williams and replace him. I think the filmmakers, Guy Ritchie and Walt Disney and the producers and everyone, they all said, you know what? We're going to try to make this more about the title character. And honestly, more about Jasmine. I mean, the live action yeah, oh yeah. Jasmine has a much bigger role in that. I think that you're actually able to see in real time what 
Aladdin the movie would look like without the presence of the genie of Robin Williams, right? So you're, you, I mean, the movies are basically shot for shot remakes. There's a couple of different changes, but for the most part, the storyline pretty much follows the same thing. You're able to see in the live action movie what an what an Aladdin would look like without the crazy internet and an energetic presence of the genie himself played by robin williams so i think that gives you your answer that's fair and and that's a real nitpick i i mean i I, (laughs) that's that's a really nitpicky thing but otherwise i mean do you have any parts that don't do it for you no no I, i i never was a huge i was never a huge fan of a whole new world i always felt that sequence was boring to me and it, <laughs> in a lot of ways it, it goes to what you're saying the genie is nowhere near it you know it's yeah. it's a very it's a it's a boring sequence you know the 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 whole nose falling off the sphinx things a little bit much for me i think um it's a little over the top but you know i know why they have to do it other than that though no i will say that one of my absolute favorite parts of the movie is jafar's uh reprisal of prince ali when he strips him back down to Aladdin from Prince Ali and then flings him to the edges of the earth and, you know, in the maniacal, maniacal laugh of Jafar. I mean, Jafar, we talk about villains in the Disney universe, animated Jafar. And, and I'm, this is where I'm making a huge distinction because live action Jafar was not the right fit. Animated Jafar, he cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, man. <laughs> he, he's yeah. maniacal as they come. I mean, this goes so back way back in our Pinocchio episode. One of the things that I talked about was my Disney villains theory, which is my theory that in order to take a good movie and push it over the top, you have to have a great villain. And I, I know there are exceptions. I'm sure all of you Disney fans are racking your brains right now to tell me, what about this one? What about this one? What about this one? But in general, the movies that are considered timeless classics have a timeless classic villain. And this is an example of one of them. So honestly, maybe my question should be, if you take Jafar out of this and put live action, swap Jafar's, does does this movie land as much and maybe not because the, you're right the maniacal the the cuckoo nature of it but even the lust for power and the manipulating nature of him is really really well done yeah no i, I completely agree i mean i cannot poke a hole in that whatsoever and again i think the answer to your question probably is more i don't think you could remove any element of the movie and have the movie be as successful it is i think they all work together in tandem whether it's you know robin williams genie jonathan freeman's uh you know voice acting for jafar iago even like you just again a thing the live action movie was missing was iago iago was a a fundamental part to this movie he was the comic relief in a lot of ways with jafar jafar i think was so intense they had to have a comic relief because i think it would have scared kids yeah and gilbert godfrey was the first like the the best um character to or the best person to do that i mean if you think about it there was a lot of comic relief in this between between genie between iago abu 
Boo without even saying a word. He's hilarious as a side character. Raja, Raja even has some some funny parts where his looks and his mannerisms and stuff to Jasmine, I, I think are are you know, and the Sultan. I mean, the Sultan's another character who's got this movie. I mean, it's a perfect blend of seriousness, of comedy, of tragedy, of a great. The other thing I think it makes it really compelling is a great story. I mean, granted, it's based on oh, yeah. the Knights legends from you know centuries ago. I get that. It's just a good story. There's really not. I mean, you talked about a whole new world, but even that, I wouldn't say falls flat. It's just maybe not no, the favorite not part of it. Of but yeah, it's not my cup of tea. Yeah. But but there's really not a part of this movie that I would say falls flat. And the biggest thing for movies for me, and we talked about this, I believe, in live action Cinderella. Uh, the convince me episode there is this movie is rewatchable yes. where it's <laughs> not a one watch through. And I think a big reason for this is the genie. When I saw this as a kid, the genie was just a wacky character and haha, look at the different voices that he's doing. But as an adult, I understood so many of the references and it, and it, it increases in the humor. It's like, Oh, that's who that is. And that's who he's, he's doing. And it, it's, a movie you can watch again and again and continue to get something out of it. Well, you know, th- this movie is is the epitome of what I like to refer to as the Eisner era. I mean, this this when you think about Mike Eisner, Michael Eisner, CEO of the Walt Disney Company during this time, he had been in he had been in that position at this point for 10 years. He'd been there a decade. He deemed the 1990s the Disney decade, his thing was all about synergy. And and that's what the genie kind of brings to this movie was the synergy of everything. I mean, and again, we talked about this in the top 10 Disney characters episode. Genie is meta aware of the world around him. Even at the end of the movie, when he gets freed, he's going to Disney world. He's got the goofy hat on. He's got the Hawaiian shirt on. Right. I mean, how many of us right now, can relate to to the genie wanting to take a trip to Walt Disney World with everything that's going on. I, I, my, one of the fans of our show, Amber, who who writes a blog, the, her family had a trip planned for for Disney World the week that we're recording, which is the week of the the eighteenth. And her kids, Liam, Max, and Ellie, they all, they didn't get the chance to go. In fact, Max has never even been. His favorite character is Mickey Mouse, just like Liam. And I guess Ellie's a huge fan of Minnie Mouse. They didn't get a chance to go, but they can relate to to Jeannie. We can relate to Jeannie. We all can feel that way right now, just like Amber, Liam, and Max, and and, and Ellie, and Nick. They, They were planning a trip to Disney World, and eventually they'll get there. But Jeannie is meta aware of what is going on. And I just, that is quintessential Disney. Yeah. The, uh, this, this movie, it, if you haven't seen it, what are you doing? Holy smokes. Um, like you've had how many years to see it now? Come on now. <laughs> no, but if you have seen it, go watch it again, turn it on, watch it again. You will, I promise you will find something in it that you go, wow, I, this is so cool. I mean, uh, there's so many cool scenes and, uh, yeah, re- rewatch this movie. You'll you'll probably find something different. I agree. It's 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 just so rewatchable. Hey, Matt, it looks like it's about closing time. You got any final thoughts before we wrap up? No, I'm good. I think we can close it up. Perfect. All right. So you guys can get a hold of us at uh, the Beers and Ears podcast on Facebook. If you want to email us, uh, go ahead and email beersandears1928 at gmail.com. 
You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at beerseears1928. Uh, please take some time to interact with us, get social with us. We, we love talking with the fans of the show. You also, if you are listening to us on a podcast platform like Apple or Spotify or Stitcher, take a couple of moments and rate and review us. Uh, we would love to call your name out on the show and say thank you for listening um, and maybe even send you a thing or two uh, just for being listeners of the show. We appreciate that. Don't forget that new episodes of the show come out on Tuesdays and Fridays. So, Matt, why don't we uh, raise our glass? What do you say? I got one more shout-out that I want to do. You mentioned Amber. Amber has been uh, fantastic. She uh, shouted us out on a blog, and we really appreciate that. So thank you, Amber. You're awesome. Yes, she did exactly what we were hoping a lot of you guys can do. It's just share us with your friends and family. That That is how we get more people to, to listen to the show, and we're able to bring you more content. We really hope you like what we're doing. We like what we're doing, so we want to keep doing it. So, all right, glasses up, Mr. Matt. And uh, this one's been on us. And uh, we will see you next time, everybody. Bye, everyone. Made you look.